Empire. Neil back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, guys? We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother Noel. Noel, how's it going? How's your week going? Everything alright? Yeah, so far so good. I'm on I'm still on the mend a little bit, but you know, hey, gaming it, man. That's that's what we do. We go in the bubble and we do what we gotta do. Things are solid for you. Good. <laughs> yeah, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're getting there. I'm feeling okay. it now. Well, good. At least. Well, good. All right. <laughs> also, <laughs> also wanted to thank Hico Sticks for sponsoring the show. It's a phenomenal tool for hand-eye coordination. Uh, used by top athletes like Saints running back Alvin Kamara and Browns wideout Odell Beckham Jr., one of your favorites, Noel. Oh, man. Love him. Yeah. As a reminder, it's spelled H-E-C-O. S-T-I-X. Go to HecoSticks.com to see tons of videos and testimonials on the product. And when you get there, use our promo code at Beltway Bros, all one word, no space, at checkout to receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that's promo code Beltway Bros. And let me get through this real quick. We have an Instagram page, Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod. Also check out EmpireMedia.com for all of the network's podcasts. One last thing, if you're listening to the show right now, please hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a single episode. Oh, also joining us a little later on the show, we're going to have NBC Sports Washington and Wizards and Nationals insider Chase Hughes. Uh, you can also listen to Chase on the Nationals Talk podcast, so please check that out. All right, enough of all that. You got anything else you wanted to promote? No, no, I, <laughs> I'm here. That's the promotion enough. All right, so to start off the show, somebody just got a Twitter account. You know who it is? And me? No, nobody cares about you, no. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that somebody being none other than Dan Snyder. Daniel, big D, getting technology. Or Mr. Snyder to you. Yeah, yes. I guess, Noel, he's becoming a man of the people. What do you think? Hey, if you're going to become a man of the people, why not go to Twitter, right? <laughs> I mean, my gosh. Oh, I need to be sociable, so that's the social mecca. I Let's do so. it. The thing that's funny, though, Snyder is on Twitter, but he's not really on Twitter yet, if that makes sense. He hasn't tweeted out anything, and his account is protected. I don't know much about Twitter. I just post shit. Well, if you don't know, I sure as hell don't know. Well, obviously. But um, (laughs) you can only request to follow him. So currently, he's following two people and has four followers. So you can't actually follow him yet. He has to accept you, I guess. Hasn't tweeted out a single thing. You know, but of course, this guy would start out using Twitter in like the weirdest possible way and be as secretive as possible. He's getting his bearings, Matt. He's getting his bearings. It's so strange. Like, it's I, like giving your parents a new phone. You know, they got to well, go back to the old one. Been there, done that. Well, do you think that somebody like said, oh, Mr. Snyder, I, I think you should start out and, you know, not really be able to Please. accept. He Like he set this shit up himself. Give me a break. It's the marketing department. The great old marketing department. It's like the blind leading the blind. 
We talked about this before with the hashtag 1932. So now they got him set up on a freaking Twitter account. You think he knows where the private option is on that shit? Please. Do you think somebody actually uses his cell phone to do texting? Like he hands it to like one of his minions? Yeah, he's got a burner phone. It's so weird, though. I mean, this is vintage Snyder. Even Twitter, for God's sakes, and social media. I mean, he's so isolated and and been in his bubble for so long. If he actually does this Twitter thing, he's not even going to know what's going to hit him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. He's in for a lot. I was thinking, this is kind of like when uh, Mr. Burns made that movie about himself. (laughs) And the the crowd booed the shit out of him. And they're... Are you saying boo or boo earns? Uh, uh, Smithers, are they saying boo? Uh, No, no, sir. They're saying boo earns. Spielbergo. (laughs) Spielbergo. God, what an episode. What a great episode. But yeah, no, he is pure Mr. Burns. I've called him that before. I've called him Monty. Yeah. But him setting this up is... He's throwing out an olive branch, I guess. He's a, he's a man of the people now. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to put it out, just put the damn thing out. And Joke, you're gonna so ha- he's going to have people running it for him anyway. If there's a shitty tweet that comes on there right off the bat, have him delete it off. You think he's really going to be sitting on that thing all day long? I don't know. I, this guy's an enigma. Yeah. I don't understand how anybody can set something up like this and just do it <laughs> the way that he did it. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, exactly. No, but I I totally agree with. He you. has to ease his way into Twitter. I what mean, kind of psycho is this? Yeah, like he puts his little toe in the water to check it out. Like he doesn't know what Twitter is at this point. He's not launching the freaking website. Things been around you know. for like ten years. <laughs> I know, it's so dumb. And you know, it's just anything this guy does, even if he has good intentions with anything, which I don't know if he does or he doesn't. It always comes out fucked up in the end. It doesn't matter. The guy's or damned at the if beginning. he doesn't, or at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. How funny would it be though if he well, like became like a serial tweeter? Oh yeah, <laughs> it became something fun to him, and he started just tweeting the most oh, random man. shit. The, hey, it, like it becomes little, like memes man. and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, do you think he knows what a meme is? I don't know. He's Burns. You know, I don't. I can't. <laughs> I don't know what the guy knows. But <laughs> well, good for him. Hey, if this is his way of coming out and trying to mainstream himself and be more accessible good for him he didn't really do it in the most conventional way but if he's trying it he's trying it we'll see where it goes he's gonna get eaten alive but enjoy maybe he's opened his eyes up a little bit since bruce allen's been gone i don't know he's not stuck in his own reality because there's been people from the outside that have come in and not isolated him so much and insulated him. But one can hope at least. Obviously, he's seen there's an issue here and he needs to be more accessible. But Matt, I wholeheartedly believe that what happened here is he's got new faces around him. And like we talked about, there's diverse faces. There's younger faces around him that are newer generations of thinking. And I think that that's what's coming into play here. And they didn't want to jump the gun on releasing it without having all their ducks in a row. That's what I believe. Whatever happens from here. Yeah, but whatever what happens here. ducks in a row do you need I, to have? I don't know. I, I have no idea. But uh, hey, right. he's trying it. So, mazel well, good tough. for him. Good for him. One step closer to being a human. The man of the people. All right. Sad to say, but Noel and I are getting old. And we've been looking for ways to sharpen our hand-eye coordination reaction speed. But I also like to throw something around outside with our kids once in a while. Then we found this product. Hiko Sticks. Hiko Sticks has three prongs, three colors, throw it, call the color, and catch the color. Simple, right? 
It's way harder than it looks, and there are so many ways to increase the difficulty that challenges even the best athletes. For example, Odell Beckham, Alvin Kamara, Joe Burrow, just to name a few. They use it to take their training to the next level. So Hiko Sticks is the winner of the Men's Health Award. Even though it's already being used across all major pro sports and college programs, doesn't mean it's just for the elite. It also has the national standard for K-12 physical education curriculum. With so many shutdowns and gyms closing, Hiko Sticks is the perfect tool to add to your home workout. Or you can just make it a fun competition with your family, you know, while you're sitting at home. You can go to HikoSticks.com for more details. When you order, don't forget to use our promo code, BeltwayBros, and get 10% off your entire order. Catch Hiko Sticks today. On Monday, the NFL had 77 positive COVID results coming from Saturday's testing. The NFL stepped in and thought something didn't seem quite right here. So they went and tested those same tests again. They ran them through. So apparently there was what they called isolated contamination at this bioreference laboratories in New Jersey. A few teams that were affected by this were the Browns, Patriots, and Bears, and they had to alter their training camp schedules, specifically the Browns. I think they actually canceled one and did like this deep clean and all this other stuff. I thought they were doing that anyway, you know. But anyway, for anyone who's interested as well, Washington does not use the same lab and all their tests came back negative. So what do you think about all this? I don't know. The whole thing seems very strange to me. They've said that they haven't had a single case since the start of training camp. Not a one. Not a single freaking case. Not a mosquito bite out there. And now they have 77. And it's, well, it was contaminated cases. It was um, false positives. Of course. And I would be okay with that. All right? It's a little weird, but I would be okay with that. If the NBA hasn't been using this fucking same company since June. Right. It's not like it's some fly-by-night third-party company that they just got and, you know, you mail the results into Amazon. They're using the same damn company that the NBA. That's why they use the company, because the NBA had been using them. The only difference is the NBA is doing saliva testing versus the swab shit. It's the only difference, but it's the same test. It's just less evasive. Which the NBA should be commended for that because they backed that test. Absolutely. I'm sure it was somewhat oh, it was self-serving, self-serving. Yes, but at the same time, you know, this could help a lot of people. So right. good on the NBA. But at the end of the day, the result comes back the same. It's just less evasive. They don't have to be there with the nurse when they have it. They just spit into a freaking vial and then they're done and they give it off. Right. NFL hasn't gone that route yet, but at the end of the day, these tests are going to the same place why haven't there been any contaminations during the process with the nba why haven't there been any influx of major cases and you know and another thing and you and you had touched on this in a previous episode about the uh, hard knock situation yeah and my ears kind of go up a little bit and i watched that episode again after you had talked about it where they were the propaganda of how hard they were testing all these guys. And we get it. It was like, it's a 45-minute episode, and I would venture to say about 35 minutes of it were showing freaking swabs going up guys' noses. It was a COVID infomercial. Oh, my God, it was. Like, see, yeah. you see? You see? Yeah. We're, we're doing you. You see? And the NFL is hand-in-hand hand with HBO. HBO, this is their show, man. This is what they do. Oh, they have to approve everything that goes on there. The NFL, I mean. Right, and that's why it's on a delay, because they have to go through it. They have to get it approval from the NFL. And the team that also they're covering as also well. Also the team, exactly. So for me, this seems kind of a strange situation. It really does. And 
I hope that it is what it is. And, you know, BioReference came out with a statement saying this, but you're the only one that this has happened to. And the fact that Washington uses a different one, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, they still use BioReference. They just use ones in the D.C. area. Oh, so they don't use the Jersey one, but they're still using the BioReference. Understood. Okay, so why isn't everybody going through the same location, though? Everything in the NBA is cohesive. In the NHL, it's cohesive. It still feels like there are portions of this system with the NFL and with the MLB that is, you're on your own. Figure it out. And you don't know who is doing what for whom. And of course, they're going to show LA teams as building these tents. Look what we got here. You know, state-of-the-art shit. All this stuff. And we don't see anything from these other training camps. We see freaking two-minute clips, you know, of them running around. Well, I do think Washington actually set up a a similar kind of thing on their AstroTurf field. Right. One of those big tents. I don't know exactly what's in it because they don't show anything, but I think that it is somewhat similar to what the Rams did. But at the same time, yeah, I totally agree. I think that this is way too coincidental. It's very fishy. Maybe we should change the NFL name to the North Korean Football League. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) You can't even Google map it. Have you ever tried to Google map North Korea? Give it a shot. It's all blurred. It's all blurred out. Yeah, that's what I feel like it is in training camp. You're absolutely right. Yeah, this is totally what it is. I mean, how would we know? They're telling us what we want to hear. Oh, look how great. Look at all the precautions they're taking and they're swabbing every single day and this and that. The fact is the NBA and the NHL are all in bubbles. And of course, they're going to use the same labs and they're going to, nobody can come in or out. Of course, they're coming in, what, August 30th, they're bringing in families, but they're going to take precautions, of course. And I just think that there, it's an impossibility the way this thing is set up, the way that these guys can go home, the way that they're treating it like a job, that you haven't had one positive test. It just seems mathematically, it's, I don't know the numbers, but it just seems very unlikely to me. There's got to be, and we've talked about this before, but currently with roughly a 90-man roster, you're talking about a, before cuts, about 120 people, give or right. take, with trainers and coaches and water boys and everything else that you can think of. There's an impossibility that there hasn't been one single positive test, and this is, to me, total bullshit. Yeah. They don't want to have the negative press like the MLB has had either. They don't want to be seen in the court of public opinion as doing the wrong thing, right? Right. And they're trying to tell you, again, North Korean Football League, that everything's good. Think about the, like you said, the mathematics behind it. It's almost an impossibility. It is an impossibility. If you have 77 in one fell swoop from from a place, keep in mind that they've only been using for a month. And let's say for sake of argument that they were all false positives. Why are you going to still continue to use this company? What's their plans moving forward? I wouldn't. Because at the end of the day, what if that happened during the season? I mean, now it's no harm, no foul. Oops. But what about if it happens in um, week 15 when you need that game for a playoff run? Because regardless if it's a false positive or not, they still need to redo the test. And that's already time missed. They're not going to change. Well, number one, because I guess they have a contract with them. But number two... They're in bed with them. They're in yeah, cahoots. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, th- this is so obvious. And this bioreference thing, believe me, there were 15 companies that were vying to be working with the NFL or the NBA or whomever. And they got the contract and they're not going to fuck it up. But on a personal level, it's bullshit. And if they are doing things like this or fudging the numbers or whatever they're doing to make the NFL look good, 
it is going to come and rear its ugly head at some point. It's extremely irresponsible. Right. I hope it's not the case, but it just seems very sketchy to me. Totally agree. And one other thing you were going to with this NBA thing, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. And they've been doing such a phenomenal job. Why are you messing with a good thing? We're using them as the flagship right now of how shit should be done. And I've said this before. Why do you have to bring these families in now? You know what these families have to go through, Matt? Have you read what these kids or wives or mistresses have to go through before they come in here? Dogs, (laughs) whoever it is, grandma. They have to go through a seven-day quarantine before they go in. Fine. Daily testing. They have to be isolated in a certain hotel for seven days before they can even see their loved one. Then they have to do daily testing. For what? So you can hang out in a hotel room with them? It's another month, man. At most. That's if you make the finals. Yeah. Give it a rest. Let's say you, for example. Let's use you. You're an NBA player, right? You're getting the playoffs. I had a good run. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, would you say, okay, well, August 30th, we're the belly of the beast now. We're going for a ring here. Hey, come on, Kristen and the kids. Let's go. Oh. Seven seven days of quarantine. <laughs> Andrew shoving something up his nose on a week on a daily basis. I mean, what is the point of all this? It sounds miserable. It does. It sounds awful. Plus the fact that I'm in the heat of the battle here. Yeah, and you would think that it would take away from their concentration and what the goal is. Absolutely. As well. I'm sure some of them miss their families. There's no doubt about that. And um, some of them actually love their families. I mean, I can't say the same, but it's uh <laughs> I'm a bad person to ask about this. No, but I would think they've got a great setup. You would assume if you're a team that's in the playoffs and doing well, I'm sure there's very good there's camaraderie there. There's they can bowl and watch movies and, you know, do all that shit. I'm sure it gets a little monotonous after a while. But you throw your kids in that shit? Oof. My God. That sounds now you have to actually be a real father. Yeah. Like actually have to deal with the day to day bullshit. You have to all of a sudden change your schedule. You have to change your routine of eat, shit, sleep, basketball. Okay? You have to change that routine. Now you have to you haven't seen the babies in a while. Pay attention to them. Dude, I'm getting paid over here. I'm trying to win a damn championship. It's the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't got time to like watch the kid dance around or laugh. At some stupid shit. I can see it in a month. He'll be all right. He'll live. Or like, I got to get some ass. First (laughs) off, that's another thing. That's what this is all about. Okay? You think these guys... Okay, there might be a few here and there that want to see... Like, really father figures that want to see their kids. But these other guys just want to get some. And that's the bottom line here. Okay? And that's what's going on. And back in the day, like even the national teams in the before the World Cup, you couldn't see a woman a month before. You know why? Because you had the eye of the tiger by the time the World Cup started. <laughs> so these guys are all of a sudden, they haven't, they've been seeing nothing but playing ping pong for a month. Now all of a sudden they got their woman coming in. They're going to have jelly legs by the time they hit the court. <laughs> uh, well, all right. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. So let's go to our interview with NBC Sports Washington's Chase Hughes. Hey, Chase, thanks for coming on with us today. We really appreciate it. So um, how are things going on your end? They're great. Uh, I've been spending quarantine with my five-month-old daughter, my first kid, and she's oh, nice. She's learning how to use her voice now. So there's just a lot of her just sitting on the couch, just basically yelling into the void. 
Um, but she's a she's a great baby. It's just getting a little bit loud around here. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's, five months. You getting any sleep? Yeah, she actually has been great with sleep. I think we did a, a good job training her, and we just got you know luck of the draw. I think it is sometimes. So, but yeah, I, oh, I've been absolutely. I've been getting sleep, man. Luckily, everyone says like, are you getting sleep? I'm like, yeah, actually, pretty decent. Eight hours a night. <laughs> Damn, it's way more than I get, and I have a three year old. Well, he he's he's up at five a.m jumping on my head i feel like <laughs> that might be in my future we'll see once they start walking man that's where the problems start yeah i've heard especially if you have a second one too then yeah, it's uh, completely different anyway let's get you out of here shall we and i'm sure you're <laughs> <laughs> five months old is going to be screaming soon oh yeah no doubt about that you know i want to start off with we're talking about the wizards what did you think of this bastardized version of the wizards that we saw in the uh the bubble at disney well, to be honest, they were a little bit less competitive than I thought they would be. Even without Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans and John Wall, I thought they would have stunned one of those playoff teams. Obviously, they ended up getting a win. It was against the Celtics who rested. I think it was their top seven scorers. So I don't know how legitimate that victory was. Yeah. Um, but my takeaways would be there were some positive player development, um, you know, developments, I guess you could say. Thomas Bryant looked good. Jerome Robinson, Troy Brown Jr. looked pretty good. Uh, but bottom line, one of my main takeaways was how it affected their uh, draft lottery position. And it didn't necessarily change their draft lottery position, but I was following this sort of weird rule change that the NBA made where basically they, they set it up so that the, the bottom eight teams were locked in. And the Wizards ended up having the eighth worst record, but they were stuck with the ninth best lottery odds. So I personally felt like they shouldn't have changed that rule, the NBA, and that the Wizards should have the third overall pick. But obviously, they ended up with the ninth overall pick. Yeah. Right. What do you think? What do you What do you think about <laughs> who hurt themselves in the rotation? I mean, I saw that Wagner really, in a lot of the games, looked like a fish out of water. He was kind of that role player guy, which they didn't have a lot of depth to the point where he's playing a role player position. Where I thought he should have been getting big minutes in this thing, and he really wasn't at times. So do you think that some of these guys really hurt themselves as far as going into next year, which is going to be the big push for a playoff spot? Who's lost out on minutes, I guess? I think Mo Wagner would be the main guy because the two players that come to mind in that regard are him and Admiral Schofield. But yeah. talking about losing a spot in the rotation, he didn't really have one in the first place. He, met, he spent most of the year with the G League and then played in this sort of, you know, of course, eight or 11 game stint, whatever, if you want to count the exhibition games. Just didn't look very good, didn't look very comfortable. So I think the jury's still out on him. He's a second-round pick. He was a rookie, so it's going to take some time anyways. But juxtaposing him with Bol Bol, who the Wizards uh, passed on to draft him, that's becoming a storyline for sure. But Mo Wagner would be the main guy. You know, he wasn't knocking down shots. Uh, he had a lot of trouble defending without fouling. Um, he was clearly frustrated. There were a few games he got benched. Um, he got benched for Anzesh Pasichniks, who – uh, is not as good of a player as Mo Wagner. So I, I think that's a, a big question because the Wizards, I think, are going to be pretty aggressive this offseason yeah. uh, looking for a rim protector. And if they find one, then that, I think, could potentially bump Mo Wagner out of the rotation in terms of the big men because Thomas Bryant definitely did himself some favors. Rui Hachimura has a pretty safe spot in the, in the rotation, of course, I think in the starting lineup. If they bring back Davis Bertans, you add one more guy, you know, that might cut Mo Wagner out. So – um, I don't know how much to magnify what was a short stint. Obviously, the circumstances were weird, but I think if anyone hurt their cause, it was Mo Wagner. Well, I think that the at the point guard spot, that was actually a little disappointing. I thought that was actually going to be one of the more solid spots that they had out there with Napier and Ish. 
And at the beginning, it just looked bad on both parties. I, I thought they were competing for the second spot when Wall comes back. Obviously, Napier wasn't playing at the end there, but neither one looked like they were vying for that second spot at point guard. And um, I guess it's issues now because Napier's the free agency anyway. Yeah, Napier's another guy who didn't play well. And I guess you can't include him in that like projecting the rotation conversation because, as you mentioned, he is a free agent. And he ended up shutting it down with an ankle injury. And I think in total, you wonder if he should have gone, if he should have maybe opted out like Davis right. Bertans because he had an opportunity to raise his stock. Bertans didn't need to, but Napier definitely didn't raise his stock. If anything, he probably heard it, right? Um, I thought he was going to have a much better showing. Um, Ish Smith, I, I think you know what you're going to get from him. You know, 10-year veteran going on his 11th season, pushes the pace, um, good passer, distributor, not the best shooter, but enough to make you respect it. But in terms of the backup point guards, but I think one thing that's got to be mentioned is how Troy Brown Jr. was really given an extended opportunity there. I uh, started their final two games at point guard, and I think he's at least in the conversation in terms of who backs up John Wall next year. And I think you need three point guards because think about it. John Wall's come back from this injury. He's probably not going to play in the both games of, of back-to-backs, right? And I would guess that he's going to be on a minutes restriction to start. So I think you need three point guards. Going to the Troy Brown thing, I mean – I'm not a fan. I, I mean, I think that he played his tail off in some of the games during this bubble league, um, but they had him coming off the bench during the season before the COVID thing, and they had him handling the ball more because he was a fish out of water playing the three on the wing. And so they decided to give him the ball, facilitate a little bit more, and that's what they did here because of the personnel issues. But I tell you, when he was playing point guard a solid period of time, I felt like the offense didn't run at all. And as soon as Ish came back in, even the announcers were saying, oh, this is how an offense is supposed to run. So, yes, I think there were glimpses of that at times, but I really don't see him in. I agree with you. They do need that third one, but if they need Troy Brown as their third point guard, I, I think they're in a world of hurt personally. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, if if it's a pinch, then right now he's ready yeah. to do that. But, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ready to be the second point guard on a roster for sure. Um, I think he's got a ways to go. It was interesting because, like, in the beginning of their time there, he looked great at point guard. And they had him finish the game against the Pacers. He played well. Um, I thought he really flashed his passing ability, which might be one of his biggest strengths. Um, he's a good rebounder. He's a good ball handler. And when he gets the ball, uh, when he gets a defensive rebound, he can push the pace and start them in transition. But then once they started him at point guard, uh, it just threw his game off. He never got into a rhythm offensively, had a few too many turnovers. So, um, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, he ended up shooting something like 38% when they're in the bubble, which isn't good. And one thing that's got to be mentioned here is, uh, though I say they need three point guards, and they have John Wall, they have Ish Smith, they have Troy Brown Jr., you know, this draft is pretty stacked at point guard and combo guard. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards find themselves at the number nine pick and they're on the clock, and not only the best player on the board is a point guard, but maybe the two or three best players on the board are point guards. And if you pick one, yeah, that's certainly going to hurt Troy Brown Jr.'s cause. It's, it seems like he wants to play point guard, but it's going to be up to the you know what the Wizards do with their roster to see if that can actually happen. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because um, I'm looking at all these mock drafts, and they're all over the board. I mean, they're in the ninth spot, so typically that's going to happen, right? But um, you guys are saying that at NBC Sports Washington, I knew you were part of this, that 18-year-old Frenchman, Killian Hayes, apparently he can play the one or the two right? You guys have him projected at that ninth spot. 
why do you think they'll pick him number one? And also, what do you know about him that you think would be a good fit for this team? Well, I like him a lot. Um, and I like him for the Wizards because, you know, we talk about their roster, John Wall and Bradley Beal, and it's, it's sort of settled in the backcourt. Well, if you're talking about a guy that young, you know, by the time he's 22, John Wall will be 33, 34. Uh, Bradley Beal, two years from now, is going to have a, a player option that he's mulling. So mm-hmm. the long-term future at the guard position, yeah, you've got these guys signed to big contracts and they've made all-star teams before. But some point relatively soon in the next few years, you're going to have to be thinking in terms of who's your long-term solution at point guard because John Wall, first of all, he's going to be getting up in there in age, but also he's coming off a very serious injury. So Killian Hayes, I think what he would represent for the Wizards is if they're on the board – and they say, we're actually going to go with the best player available with the highest upside. And Tommy Shepard said that they might be more, more willing to take a project on this year. And they look at Killian Hayes and say, look, this guy's got the most potential of anyone on the board. And if you watch highlights of him and you watch interviews with him, he's, he's a very smart guy. And he's just got a skill set that's beyond his ears. He's, he's 6'4", 6'5", a guard with a step back three that you usually see from guys who are like 24, 25 in the NBA. The comparison I've made, a lot of people have thrown James Harden out there because you can tell when you watch him that the game is similar. What I think could happen is he could be a poor man's James Harden in the way that Trey Young's a poor man's Steph Curry, that Ben Simmons is a poor man's LeBron. It's like Damn. they model their <laughs> I game. I take that. Yeah, yeah. but think about it. They, <laughs> they model their game after them. They yeah. don't really come all that close to matching their greatness but they, they're still pretty damn good, and they're still an mm-hmm. all-star player. And I think totally. Killian Hayes could be an all-star in the same form. Well, I could tell you Brooks probably wouldn't be too happy with that pick. <laughs> <laughs> Having probably one year left on his deal, he's like, Shepard, what the hell are you doing, man? Bring me somebody with some substance that can you know, jump in right, plug and play. You know, That's true, but he also did develop James Harden in OKC. True, right? true. So he well, he might, I'm just saying he might not have the opportunity to develop. No, him, you're that's right. That's all. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. So if let's say for sake of argument, they do take Hayes. So I'm still saying that they have a void at the three spot. Um, even though they're talking about sliding Hachimura over to the three, God help us if they put Brian at the four, whatever they plan on doing. But in a perfect world, they probably need a, a guy that can come in, D up on at the three spot. You know, you're looking at the free agents. I guess they got Jay Crowder out there, Harkless, Kid Gilchrist out there. I mean, I think those guys are viable options if they go the guard route in the draft and they can get one of those guys and just, like I said, plug and play. They've got their lineup, and we're ready to make this final push in what could be a swan song for Brooks. They need a three, and they need defense. So those names that you mentioned, you know, Harkless and Kid Gilchrist in particular, would definitely fit the bill. And Tommy Shepard has said that, like, in an ideal scenario, whoever they pick number ninth is coming off the bench because they want to have a better player at the three. And I would guess uh, a veteran that they're going to get uh, either via a trade or free agency, or maybe it's a four, as you mentioned, and Rui plays the three. Um, so we'll see. If they want to go with a guy who fills that need specifically at number nine, maybe Devin Vassell of Florida State makes sense. Uh, he's about six seven, um, plays defense, uh, shoots about 41% from three. We'll kind of remind you of – I threw this comparison out there. It's a little bit very Wizard-specific. But it'll kind of remind you of Kelly Oubre Jr. in terms of his athleticism and Otto Porter in terms of his game. He's got sort of a high basketball IQ game, and he shoots threes. And he's, he's really skinny, just like both of them, and he's a good team defender. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but he would step right in and I think within two years be your starting three and a guy who can stretch the floor 
and probably you know present a, a pretty good defensive upgrade there. I don't know what personality I prefer, the Porter or <laughs> the Porter yeah, or the right. Oubre person. <laughs> <laughs> I know Wizards fans know both yeah. those guys very well. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask the Bertans question because I think what everybody wants to know, I mean, I think it looks like Bertans is going to be their number one target. If they do sign him, first and foremost, I don't. I really don't think he's planning on coming back. Please tell me I'm wrong, but I'm a little concerned about that because him not playing in the summer league, <laughs> I'm sorry, in the bubble and all that kind of stuff is concerning. Um, I know the reason why he did it, of course, he didn't want to get hurt, but the Wizards, it looks like they've got, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, roughly about $10.3 million in salary cap space. Well, he is going to be their number one priority in the offseason. As far as whether I think he'll resign, I would say I'm, I'm growing increasingly skeptical. Um, and a main reason is I just don't mm. know whether they're going to be able to afford him and outbid other teams that are interested because you mentioned the salary cap. It's, it's already a mystery, right? But we don't know what the salary cap's going to be yeah. next year because they're still, you know, adding up all the numbers. They lost a lot of revenue this year. Um, of course, with the coronavirus and the China controversy and all these different things, we just don't know what the number is going to be. And whatever that number is, is going to affect their chances of re-signing Bertans directly. Cause you have John wall on the books with the Supermax contract and Bradley Beal on the books with a max contract. So we don't know how much money they're going to have available. They do have his bird rights. And what that means is that they can exceed the salary cap with his contract, but do they want to go into the luxury tax, for instance, this off season? I mean, Ted Leonsis was willing to go into the luxury tax two years ago and they were on pace to be in the luxury tax last year. But I mean, that was under a, 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 a that was in a situation, a completely different situation, right? You had a team that you expected to go to the conference finals. Of course, they didn't. But also, you had a, 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 a level of revenue that was probably completely different than what it is now. Uh, not only did you have a struggling team, but in terms of the league revenue. So the financial situation is completely different. Uh, I, I would probably lean towards expecting them not going to the luxury tax. And do you want to go into the luxury tax to re-sign a guy like Davis Bertans? So I think you're going to have some teams that are going to be able to offer him more money because the Wizards might be squeezed out uh, based on whatever the salary cap is, which is going to be lower than it otherwise would have been. Do you think that talking to the players and everything, is money the most important thing to Bertans, or is you know fit and team and being comfortable? You know, that's a really good at? question. I get the sense that money is important and that, uh, yeah. that Bertans is actually going to... Well, it's important to him and that he's going to entertain the largest offers, right? But there is something that there, there, there has been a little bit of um, a sense that he, he does like the situation here and he recognizes the opportunity he has to play alongside John Wall. And he likes uh, the city. Um, you know, I live – the neighborhood I live in, he, he's, he frequents. He, he loves uh, – there's a fish market in my neighborhood he loves. He just, likes, he just likes living here. And he likes the opportunity that the Wizards have given him in terms of, uh, you know, in, in San Antonio. Everyone knew he could shoot. He shot a high percentage from three. But they wouldn't give him the attempts. They didn't give him the green light to shoot. So he's got that here. Now, I think there are some other teams that could maybe offer that. Um, but I, I, I wonder if it's a difference between 2 or $3 million a year. I, I think if that's the difference, then the Wizards can't resign him. If it's negligible, if it's a couple hundred thousand or a million, then maybe he could look at the fit. But if they're outbid by a significant margin, which, again, is going to be contingent on the cap, uh, then I think it's going to be really tough to keep him. So you basically think it's going to be another Bogdanovich deal where he just uh, showcases himself and then comes in and get just to get paid. I mean, I, and I've said before, these Euros, 
we were talking about soccer earlier. These guys are not loyal to the point. They want the money. They gravitate towards the money. They go to that location. And that's what I've been concerned about. I, I've thought that the guy might go back to San Antonio. I think he loves Popovich, even though he didn't give the opportunity to him. And I think that with the way that team is starting on the decline, that might be a viable option if they have the cap space for him to go back there. Because I, I think that they've said that they made a mistake there. Yeah, in terms of him cashing in right now, you know, he's in his late 20s. Uh, yeah. He came into the NBA later than most players do. He's got two ACL tears in his past. Um, he recently had a daughter like a year ago. There's a lot of different reasons why he would see this as his big opportunity to get a big payday, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like the Bogdanovich thing, um, in hindsight, they really should have kept him. Obviously, yeah. they picked they picked Otto Porter and essentially Kelly Oubre over him, and he ended up becoming significantly better than both of them. So I don't know if it's going to be a situation where they have a, a great option to turn to if Davis Bertans leaves. Uh, I mean, they could allocate that money elsewhere, but it's not going to be apples to apples because he's got his, his birds right, bird right. So if you go out in free agency, you're not going to be able to exceed the cap and give someone the type of money that you would Bertans. So it's interesting because he's unrestricted, right? And we all thought maybe they would entertain trade offers at the deadline. They didn't take any of them, and basically they made this bet that they could resign him, and if they don't, you know, they'll have nothing to show for it. I believe that he's going to resign, and I believe that they're going to go over the luxury tax. This is just a personal opinion. I think it's a final push for everyone. I think it's a prove it for Wall. I think Beal needs to win. I think everybody on this team is on the hot seat. Shepard just became GM on that prove it. I think that this team needs to get a veteran three, sign Bertans, and... I think they can make a serious push. And if they sign Bertans, okay, let's just say for sake of argument, what do you think with the wall coming back, let's say he starts out at 80% or whatever he is, what's your outlook for this team going into next year? I think probably a lower seed in the playoffs. Um, I've kind of been saying, you know, maybe the six, seven seed, that range. Anything lower within reason would be uh, a, a failure and, and, and falling below expectations. If you get the eight seed, maybe, you know, depending on how things go, that, that's fine. It could be a stepping stone towards the next year. If you miss the playoffs, though, I think significant changes would happen. Oh, yeah. um, I doubt Brooks would be back. Um, I'm sure you'd have to really look at that wall Beal combo and wonder if it, if it can work long-term because we've already seen a lot of it and there are question marks. Um, if it was anything above the sixth seed, like if they made the fourth or fifth seed, I think that would represent exceeding expectations. So that's the sort of lower range of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, I think, is probably the sweet spot for my expectations right now. We'll see what they do this offseason. Maybe they make a big trade um, and, and that could raise expectations. But right now, that's where I'd put them. And basically, you're trying to use next year as a stepping stone for uh, the following season, where I'm sure the expectations would be much higher because – Wall at that point will be 31. Brad will be probably 29, I guess, at that point, and you know, in the final year of his contract. So you, you got pretty much a short window to try to make it work right. with those guys for sure. Well, it's very short for Scott Brooks specifically. <laughs> but do you think that Tommy Shepard made a good decision bringing him back this year, or do you think they just should have said, screw it, you know, we got a bunch of guys coming back, let's kind of start from scratch? I think I'm fine with the decision to bring him back. I mean, it is the final year of his contract, and to let him go, you'd have to pay him $7 million and also pay another coach. And they don't really have anyone on their staff that I think could, like, step right in. I mean, Tony Brown has a little bit of experience coaching in the NBA, but there's no obvious replacement on that bench. 
And I think the way they see it is Scott Brooks was all in on this plan where they would take one step back and hopefully take two steps forward. And he developed all these young players in his system. And it's kind of like next season is really the, the, I guess the test to see whether it worked or not. And they don't have a, a, they're not giving him a contract extension. So they don't have a whole lot of risk. If, if things bottom out, they could fire him mid season. If things go really, really well, maybe they can reevaluate mid season or after the season. So I was okay with it. I didn't expect them to make a change there. It's a lot of money that you got to pay someone not to do anything. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that when they brought him in, they brought him in to coach John Wall and Bradley Beal healthy with a supporting cast that could help them go to the playoffs. That's what they hope to have next year. So it worked in year one, you know, they won 49 games or a game away from the, the conference finals. Hasn't worked since, but um, I, th- I think he, Tommy Shepard appreciates the job that he did this year because he did what they asked him to do, which is just develop the young players and set up for next year. His MO is developing players, but I've yet to see who is he truly developed. It's easy to say that Harden and Durant, oh my God, they're developed. Yeah. I mean, I think my three-year-old could develop those guys. You know what I mean? (laughs) To have that as your claim to fame, I I mean, I want to see true development out of these guys. And I've yet to see anybody taking them the next level. I just haven't seen it. I think that's fair. You know, Thomas Bryant, I think maybe would be the one guy that stands out. He's continuously getting better. One thing that's a little strange about it is, you know, they didn't have first round picks when he first arrived. So it's like you bring in this guy who player development is his supposed strength and they didn't really have any blue chip guys for him to develop. I mean, I guess Kelly Oubre at the time, but they had traded a bunch of their first round picks. So now you're looking at Troy Brown Jr. and Rui Hachimura little early to see how much of an effect Scott Brooks has had on him. And honestly, that's, to me, probably the the biggest asset for an NBA coach is player development and then managing egos. I don't think they have a whole lot of influence on the wins and losses because they just don't have a whole lot of control over the structure of the game, not like NFL coaches do or MLB managers do or even NHL coaches. But player development, I think, is – it's interesting, you know, and and you look at Oklahoma city, they haven't missed a beat. I mean, they continue to find guys, they continue to develop players. All their draft picks seem to work out. I mean, look at Lou Dort, that guy was undrafted. All of a sudden he's starting all these games for them and, you know, defending James Harden pretty well in the playoffs. So um, no, I think you're right. You know, coming in, I thought that was going to be Scott Brooks's biggest strength. And, and I'm not sure if we can really definitively evaluate him for all the reasons I I, I mentioned, but Thomas Bryant would be the one guy. I, th- I think certainly you would hope to have a collection of players yeah. that they've developed to a greater degree. And I feel like Thomas Bryant had the skills that he currently has when he walked in the door. He had the touch around the basket. He had that little jumper, hits that three once in a while. But I've yet to see him develop a defensive game whatsoever. He's still out of position all the time. Uh, John Wall, when he was playing, they're not running an offense of any kind. John Wall, he just seems to kind of do his own thing. You know, Bradley Beal's gotten better. I guess you could say that. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm sure that Beal, he's obviously worked his ass off to get to where he is, but you have to give Brooks a little bit of due. I mean, I'm hard on him just like anybody else is, but the guy's gotten handle since he's been in the league. He's um, a distributor with the ball. He can handle, he can do pretty much everything now. When he initially came into the league, he was a spot-up shooter that could catch and shoot and do things like that. His game has come dramatically. Now, how much you can accredit that to Brooks, I don't know. But you can't have it both ways. Okay, one guy. Yeah, no, I mean, Bradley Beal has has gotten better. I mean, he's taken his game from uh, good player to 
all-star to fringe all-NBA under Scott Brooks, so certainly. You know, next year is going to be a big test. He's got to make it work with a new look yeah. Bradley Beal and John Wall. That's going to be interesting for sure. I hope it does. I really do. I, I want to see those guys just have – if it's one last hurrah, you know, just go out with a bang and – make a little bit of a run. That's all I can ask. I'm not having delusions of grandeur, but I just want to see that cohesive backcourt work one more time just to shut the critics up for a minute. Get the band back together, right? Get the band back together, right. (laughs) All right, well, I was going to ask you Nationals question, but I'm going to let you go. So, And and Noel can share about that. (laughs) Again, you can see Chase on NBC Sports Washington and read his stuff on NBCSportsWashington.com covering Wizards and Nationals, which, you know, we didn't get to. But And also, you're a host of the Nationals Talk podcast. Yeah. Well, make sure you guys listen to that and um thanks again chase for coming on really appreciate it hopefully we didn't keep you on too long and- yeah thanks a lot it was awesome yeah absolutely thanks for having me on we'll have to do it again sometime yeah absolutely all right that's going to do it for this episode thanks again to chase hughes as always we are on all major podcast platforms please rate review and subscribe if you like this show please share it on social media again please follow us on instagram twitter and the facebook group thanks for listening and we will see you friday